The following show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is our monthly coaching call. Discovering Responsible Wealth is brought to you by the Institute of Responsible Wealth. And this is Frank Congelos, your host. And our guest today is Jake Grew of CNA Financial Group. Jake, welcome to the show. Pleasure to have you Great with us Great to be today. here, thank, Frank. Thank you very much. So, Jake, you know, we're getting into year-end, and I know that you've had many years in finance, you know, providing, you know, all different levels of expertise from commodities training, trading, taxes, and everything else of, you know, providing advice to people. And since we're getting into year-end, one of the hot topics right now is what's referred to as tax loss harvesting. So I think today maybe we'll spend a little time talking about that. And, Jake, would you take maybe a little bit of time and just... Give us an overview as to what exactly is tax loss harvesting. Well, tax loss harvesting is the one area of taxes that an individual can control. And they should avail themselves of taking the opportunity to try to reduce the taxes that they pay come April. Now, what exactly is tax loss harvesting? It's taking the losing positions that you have in your portfolio and selling them, realizing an actual loss on them and applying them to realized gains that you have. And this needs to be done within a taxable portfolio. It can't be done in in a qualified account like an IRA or 401k, but it's taking realized losses and applying them against realized gains in order to either reduce or eliminate the taxes that you'd be paying on those gains. Gotcha. So what you're saying is it's going to help investors to avoid taxes. Well, not really avoid taxes. Uh, both you and I know that while, while one's alive and kicking, it's very difficult to avoid taxes. But the idea here is that it actually defers taxes and that depending upon how one uses it, it could create a lower tax basis for a future liability. But nonetheless, it's the present time paying less in taxes for perhaps a slightly higher liability down the road. So, Jake, you know, one of the things, you know, as you were just saying, you know, with regard to, you know, what tax loss harvesting does, there's some portfolios out there that it wouldn't be applicable, though, to. And those would be portfolios whereby you have a certain asset allocation and and an actual model that's been put together by an investment advisory service that you can't kind of break up the model. Now, on the other side of that is where I have actual individual stocks or mutual funds or ETFs, that's effectively where this tax loss harvesting really becomes more applicable. Yes, but it can also be used with with bonds as well. We we focus upon stocks only, but any security in which you've made an investment that's not performing well becomes a potential for tax loss harvesting. And that's really, we need to talk about capital gains taxes here because the tax code is written in such a way as that it favors long-term investment. So any investment that you've had for more than a year will likely receive a favorable capital gains tax treatment, which could be 0%, 15%, or 20%, depending upon the tax bracket that you're in for that particular year. However, any short-term holdings, anything less than one year, gets taxed at your ordinary income rate. So that could be as high as 39.6% if you're in the highest tax bracket. And also, with the Affordable Care Act that came through, there was an additional 3.8% tax that was added, the net investment income tax, that 
for single filers over 200,000 or couples filing 250,000 and above gets applied to. So really, if you have a short-term gain that is less than one year and you're in the highest tax bracket, you're getting taxed at 39.6% plus another 3.8%, and that does not include any state capital gains. Well, those are some high tax rates as you go through that. Yes. So the whole reason to tax you know, or to harvest tax losses is to reduce capital gains, and ultimately the taxes one will have to pay. Well, there's a number of other benefits as well, but that's really the, the thrust of tax loss harvesting. Uh, let me touch upon a few of the other benefits is that, uh, you know, should your capital losses exceed your capital gains, you're able to carry forward $3,000. Uh, excuse me. Actually, you're able to apply a deduction of $3,000 against your ordinary income. So if someone makes $100,000, they could then report income closer to 97000 if they have losses exceeding their gains for the year. And then they could also carry any additional losses forward. Then, Right. If they have $5,000 worth of losses, 3000 gets applied to the, or, the earned income that they have, and then 2000 gets carried forward for use in subsequent years. Um, another benefit is that it encourages the rebalancing of your portfolio. Oftentimes, portfolios stray away from their target allocation. This is a good opportunity to rebalance. It also helps to free up profitable holdings that you may be wanting to sell that um, you don't necessarily want to be giving up any long-term capital gains that you have because they are treated at favorable rates. But if you have a short-term gain that within the last 12 months has been on the books, you'll want to, and you're wanting to sell that, you should take advantage of the tax loss harvesting. And then finally, another benefit is that it avoids the disposition effect. That is a behavioral finance term that individual investors frequently will sell the winners while holding the losers, only for those losers to go further south on them. I call it their wish list. They're hoping someday it's going to come back. That's exactly right. So this should enforce some discipline to say, okay, this position is not doing well for me. Let me sell that and realize the capital loss. Time to Take the loss, move on, and go from there. Exactly. Christmas might not necessarily be coming on that particular holding. So here's a question, though, is what if, you know, because we've had some market volatility this year, and perhaps we're in a situation when we're looking and we have particular holdings that we like, but they happen to be down at this time. So I look and I go, it's like, well, I really like something, um, and I know I'm down right now because of, you know, the volatility that we've had in the market, but, you know, I don't want to sell it. Well, each investment should be judged on its own merits. So we're not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater or anything like that. But if the particular investment that you're in is underwater and your prospects on that investment have changed, that's a good candidate to use for the tax loss harvesting. Or alternatively, you could get a, a candidate, a list of similar investments, not identical, but similar where that is, you could take, um, for instance, I have a U.S. automaker in my portfolio, has not been doing well. So what I would look to do there is sell that out, take the loss on it, but take the proceeds from that sale and put it into another U.S. automaker that has similar characteristics, similar dividend, similar industry, and my portfolio will not have changed 
significantly. You still own the sector or that particular category. But I still have a balanced portfolio that the sector allocation has not changed, but I've been able to capture that loss. So when you, you say similar, why can't I buy the same one? Because some of our listeners may be wondering that. Yes. No, that's where the IRS does not embrace tax loss harvesting. Though they, they allow it under certain conditions. But one thing that you need to avoid is putting something that's identical into the portfolio as a replacement, such as a S&P ETF. If I were to sell one of those and take a loss on it and buy a nearly identical security to replace it, another ETF that follows the S&P or even a mutual fund that follows the S&P, that would be replacing one for one, and that would not qualify. Interesting. So, you, so you'd want to find something else that's a slightly different flavor where it could be following a slightly different benchmark or it could have a value tilt or a growth tilt. But again, you don't want to purchase something that looks nearly identical. Very good. So, you know, there's a term out there we call it wash sale rules. Yes. And so why don't you, for our audience, maybe just explain what wash sale basically means so that they don't put themselves a little bit in a bind by not knowing some of the rules of the road. Right. Of and, the road, right. And, and this is why during during the fall it's a, it's a very good time to, to begin embarking on your tax loss harvesting. And that the wash sale rule basically establishes a 30-day window prior to and a 30-day window after the sale of a security. So if I were to buy a stock and then 28 days later I sell it, that would not qualify. If I were to buy a stock, hold it 30 days, sell it, and then two weeks later buy it, that won't qualify either. I have to have the time frame outside the 30-day window prior and 30-day after. Otherwise, it falls under the wash sale, sale rules that the IRS has established, and then that would affect the basis of my stock going forward, and it gets quite complicated. So basically what we're saying is there's got to be at least a 61-day window. That's exactly right. Yeah, so if we took a, a look at that round trip of in and out, okay, and then back in again, there's got to be effectively 61 yes. days. And again, as we mentioned before, these are in taxable accounts. I can't get cute and sell something out of my taxable account and buy it in my wife's IRA within that window, period, Otherwise, that's a violation as well. And, you know, as we're going through this, you know, both Jake and myself are not CPAs. So we also recommend that, you know, if you're considering doing, you know, some tax loss harvesting at your end, bouncing some of this past your accountant would be strongly recommended so that, you know, you don't just take a concept and go out and say, hey, I just supplied it. And it's like perhaps you missed one of the rules because, you know, we're not going through, you know, 100% of the details, we're just giving that high-level you know, overview so that you know if you've got on your statement that comes in each month and you look and you go, well, I'm down right now in this particular holding or whatever, and I'd like to see if I can get some benefit out of it this year from a tax standpoint, this is the time of the year that you want to start looking at that. And speaking of times of year, Jake, what is the time of year that someone should be looking to do this you know, tax loss harvesting? During, during the autumn is a great time of year to do it, both literally and figuratively. And that um, what's good is that you are able to respect that 61-day window before the end of the tax year. And that uh, another thing for consideration is 
uh, reinvestment of uh, dividends. If you have a stock that you've, you're reinvesting the dividends in that stock, you sell the stock, and before you actually get the proceeds, that dividends go back into that stock, even though you've sold it already, if it's trading ex-dividend, that violates that wash sale rule. So you really want to look at the calendar of distributions. And another reason why it's particularly good to do it now is that you know, come December, that mutual fund companies will be announcing their distributions. And that's always good to plan in advance of so that you don't suddenly realize come January 1st, oops, I didn't realize that distribution was hitting December 20th and it was that significant. I wish I had paid more attention rather than being too caught up in the holidays to actually do this properly. Totally makes sense. And like I said, when we opened up this, you know, this month's show, which is, you know, the fact that we've had somewhat of a volatile year in the markets, uh, there are positions in portfolios that may be down. And since, you know, we're looking at, you know, year end, some tax planning, it's a great time to really take a look and see if there's an opportunity for some tax loss harvesting. Right. And you, you want to do this deliberately. You don't want to just go in there and just start throwing out the losers and not finding the right replacement candidates if you want your allocation to be the same to a particular sector, to a particular uh, stock or benchmark. So it's, it's really good to do this in a planned way rather than as an afterthought and just doing it during the rush of the holidays. Very good. So, Jake, thank you so much for being with us this month. My pleasure. For all of our listeners, you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is our monthly coaching call. Our guest today, Jake Rowe at CNA Financial Group, and this has been Frank Congelos. And we wish you a great month and a wonderful holiday season. We look forward to being with you next month. Advisors of the Institute of Responsible Wealth may be licensed for investment and insurance products. The Institute of Responsible Wealth is an educational division of CNA Financial Group. CNA Financial Group and its advisors are an agency or an agent of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. The Institute of Responsible Wealth and CNA Financial Group are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian.